I'm Lisa Udelson, and this is a Meditation House Call. A few years back, I got a mystery disease totally out of the blue. Something was going on with my blood. No one could figure out why, and I was scared shitless. Western medicine saved my life, but meditation saved my sanity. Now I'm in remission, but relapse looms over my head like an anvil, and mindfulness keeps me from looking up. I'm a gay divorcee living in Los Angeles with a teenage son, and I'm a worrier by nature. So I'm still a mess, just a calmer, less reactive, more tolerant and peaceful one. And I'm offering up what I've learned to help others. Take what you want and leave the rest. I'll start out by telling you a story, then I'll lead a guided meditation along the same theme. What do you have to lose but some fear, regret, and anxiety? Come to L.A. and work for me at Paramount Pictures. The bigwig family friend beckoned like a siren. I'd been living in Boston, DJing in seedy dyke bars, a nice Jewish girl hanging out with a bunch of diva punks. It was fun and all, but it was time for me to get a real job. I took off from the East Coast in a tiny tan Subaru wagon with a stick shift, its fender pockmarked from my dad fixing a dent with a hammer. I was halfway across the country when that family friend got fired, so I arrived in Los Angeles without much of a road map. I moved in with my aunt and uncle in Encino, unemployed, until the house painter hooked me up with the guy who produced movie trailers. I got hired as an assistant editor, packed the Subaru, and fled the valley for Beverly Hills, like the hillbillies. Y'all come back now, you hear? One day I pulled up in front of my apartment, a pretty Spanish townhouse built in the roaring twenties. Jacaranda trees lined the street, the fragrant lavender blooms making a sticky mess, furthering the debate as to whether or not their beauty is worth it. Parked in front of my place was a 1966 Volvo P1800 sports coupe, mint green, mint condition, collecting buds on its windshield. Taped to the window was a for sale sign scribbled with a phone number. Having been swiftly promoted to editor, I'd gotten a raise, worked a bunch of overtime hours, and was feeling flush. I tracked down that gem of an auto, dropped the Subaru like a hot potato, and plopped down a couple thousand bucks on the Volvo. The little looker was mine. Though designed by a Swede, the P1800 looked like a sexy Italian torpedo. The grille and bumpers were a shiny chrome, and so was the dashboard, with the delightful addition of red and turquoise dials. I was in love, but that car came with baggage. Its electrical system was finicky, prone to quitting at the most inopportune times, like in the middle of a busy intersection during morning rush hour traffic. The fuel gauge needle swung back and forth like a pendulum, making my gas situation a constant guessing game. On the Saturday before Christmas, I was cruising down Pico Boulevard, getting a thumbs up from passing auto enthusiasts, when the P-1800 pooped out. I'd miscalculated, and the gas tank was empty. It came to a halt right smack in front of the entrance to the West Side Pavilion. It was a busy shopping mall on any weekend, and downright chaotic on December 24th. 
In the rearview mirror, I could see angry holiday shoppers lining up behind me. Honking and yelling ensued. Fists were shaking in my direction. Prone to feeling bad about inconveniencing others and unable to move that hefty machine alone, I reached over and cranked down the passenger side window, calling out to a man passing by. Excuse me, sir, but could you please help me push my car out of the way? I pleaded over the din. He paused to take in the lengthy queue, consider my predicament and my request before replying. Sorry, I helped somebody yesterday. Decades later, I can't recall how I moved my beloved Volvo, or even how I got home that day. But I'm still flabbergasted by that response. All those anxious shoppers waiting to buy gifts to show their goodwill, but no one would stop to lend a hand. I don't have the means, the space, nor the interest in procuring a fleet of vehicles, but every now and then, I regret getting rid of that P-1800. It was so fetching and fun, but I was done with its unpredictability. I wanted something reliable, so I never had to ask for assistance again. During the worst of my rare illness, I wasn't sure I'd outlive a short-term auto contract. A couple years into my recovery, I felt confident enough about my survival to take the plunge and make a longer commitment. So I dumped a 10-year-old wagon, nicknamed Crappy by my son Theo, and got a little SUV suitable for groceries, dogs, and teenage hoodlums. I needed something trustworthy, a relationship that would last for at least 36 months or 30,000 miles. Theo likes to point out how frequently I stop for gas. It's PTSD, he parrots. It's true. When I see the needle hit the quarter full mark, I'm already scanning the highway for a filling station. Maybe it's a sign of anxiety. Perhaps it's just my wish to keep the wheels in motion. I've found that if I keep my metaphorical tank topped up, there are endless opportunities to be of service, and I don't get drained. By practicing mindfulness, I'm better able to foster a feeling of connection to others. But let's be honest. Who of us isn't guilty of blowing off a fresh-faced college kid that's trying to get you to sign their petition? I hold up my hand and say, Sorry, all that's missing is, I helped somebody yesterday. Is there a statute of limitations on generosity, like the terms of a car lease? How often should we help people? Clearly not every day, according to the man that passed me by in front of the mall. Maybe he hadn't come to anyone's aid all week, all month, all year, or ever. Perhaps his empathy reserve was already depleted, having done some other good deed. I'd try to make sense of it all, to come up with an insightful answer, but I helped somebody yesterday. Time for a meditation house call. All right now, nice deep breath. Through your mouth, exhale, that's fine, once more. That's fine. All right, now we'll have a look at your blood pressure. This meditation is so simple, you'll be sure you're doing it wrong. You're not doing it wrong. Just keep doing it.
Today's meditation is about generosity. How do we experience generosity in the world? And how does mindfulness help us to identify need and the gift that we give ourselves when we share with others? We'll start by checking in with the body, settling here in the present moment, leaving the past behind and not yet worrying about the future. How am I right now with just this breath? Noticing what leaving the past behind feels like. Maybe there's a buzzing, a change in temperature, head full of ideas, thoughts, memories, future thinking. But let's just put all of that down for now. There's no crime in thinking or planning or remembering, but the practice is presence and the place where we find peace. Breath by breath. Notice the feet and any sensation itching, throbbing, whatever it may be, and just name that sensation without creating a story. And the hands. Is there sensation? Just to notice the hands. If you choose to place your focus elsewhere in the body, that's great. This is a practice of freedom and experimentation and making it work for you. But to intentionally place the focus without judgment and without creating a story. First in the body, and then we come to the breath placing your attention on the breath, the in and out of our breathing, the life force, how we know we're alive, and with this attention to presence comes a mindful awareness that helps us to develop patience and tolerance and compassion for self and for others.
returning to the breath over and over. Helps us develop a focus. Building that muscle of presence. The heart opening practice of mindfulness meditation allows us to find compassion and empathy for others to offer help financial time sometimes our thoughts or even just a generous offer of listening when someone is struggling. By placing the attention on the breath, returning home to the breath when the mind wanders, we're more able to see the needs of others, to lend a helping hand when we're able This practice of presence helps us to develop connection, community, and the ability to see outside of ourselves and look at the bigger picture. By paying attention on purpose, we find connection, not separation. And we teach by example. Thanks for listening and for practicing with me. This is Lisa Udelson coming to you straight from my son's closet and put together mostly by me with major guidance from producer Darby Maloney with special guest James Berg and many thanks to Fred Rappaport and Static Music. You can read more of my essays and find out about Meditation for Realists on my website, lisaudelson.com. Please join me for the next episode when I'll teach the joy of authenticity by making pesto. Until we meet again, take it a breath at a time.